just like to welcome everybody that's joining us by our live stream. Uh, this is just one part of our service here at City Temple. So if you'd like to be part of the whole service, just send us an email and we'll send you a Zoom link if you want to join us by Zoom. Or you can just come down to City Temple here in central London on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. and join us in person. If you have your Bible, let's turn to two places. First to Isaiah chapter 49 and then to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 16. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the Bible. I do thank you that it is trustworthy and true, and despite all efforts to undermine it, it remains true. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today by your Holy Spirit, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully, and strengthen my voice, Lord God, that I might communicate well to the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 49, we pick up with verse 8, and we'll read down to verse 12. Thus says the Lord, in a time of favor, I have answered you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out, to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall feed along the ways, on all bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will make all my mountains a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar, and behold, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Syene. And then over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're focusing on the first couple of verses of chapter 6, but it's good to have the context, so we'll pick up there in verse 16. Paul says, From now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you 
not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Amen. Well, as you know, we just got back from uh, the Isle of Lewis, one of our favorite places in the entire world. Uh, we always enjoy going up there. And over the years, we've made quite a few friends there. And I was wondering about that, uh, the last few visits that we made, uh, about the level of welcome that we seem to have had there on the Isle of Lewis. Because most of the time, people like us that come in are known as incomers. And that's not necessarily a favorable word that's used. Uh, but yet, people don't tend to use that word for us. In fact, they've really received us as part of the church family. And I know when I was ill last year that they were praying quite vigorously for us. Uh, in fact, when some people saw me, uh, they burst out in tears. And I don't think it was because I was so ugly. I think it was because they were just happy to see me up and walking around and not dead, uh, which I was happy to see me not dead too, so that's, that's quite good. But I'm just, it's just one of these things that's followed us. I remember when we first came to the UK, I was standing with a group of uh, English pastors. Uh, we were at a conference that was being run by an American organization, and they were standing around and uh, they got talking about Americans, and they got talking about the attitudes of Americans and some of the things that Americans do that are often quite distasteful and some things Americans do that are often quite humorous. And the conversation went on for about five minutes. And then all of a sudden, everybody stopped and looked at me. And they were just wondering. And then they just said, oh, well, you're one of us. And then they just got kept talking. And it's quite amazing. We still have friends in Croatia that want us to retire in Croatia and uh, want to build us on the coast. Now, I know a lot of you would like us to have a house on the coast because you could come visit. Uh, but uh, it seems just about everywhere we've gone in the world, and in fact, I can't think of any place we, we've gone where this hasn't been the case, we have been received and welcomed as one of the people, uh, even if we don't speak the same language, there is some dynamic that happens. And I was reflecting on that, and especially in the context of these last couple of sermons that I've done, and I realized that that is part of God's favor on our lives. It's a sign of God's favor. And we can see many things that when I go around London, and I talk to people, uh, and I, I mentioned that I'm from City Temple, it's amazing the responses that I've gotten the last 20 years. Consistently, they have been very, very positive responses, and they've been responses that recognize the significance of City Temple in some way, even though we're a small church. We've got a big history, but right now, 
numerically we're not very large, but people have recognized something and there has been great favor in people's attitudes towards City Temple. And this is something that we have been living in as a church. It's something that I've been living in for most of my life. It's something that we've been living in as a church for as long as I know, uh, this idea of the favor of God. And we've been living in it, but in the season that God's taking us into as a church, we need to not only live in it, but live, if you will, out of it, not that we're going to leave it, but uh, we need to live on the basis of that favor and do so much more boldly and confidently than we have done in the past. Now, God's favor is God's mysterious delight and goodwill towards specific individuals and groups for his pleasure and his kingdom purposes. It's a mystery. God doesn't look on City Temple and have favor on City Temple because he says, wow, that's such a great church, and boy, when they sing on Sunday, they sound so beautiful. He doesn't do that. I don't know why God has such favor on us. I just know he does. It's a mystery. God certainly doesn't look at me and say, wow, you know, when I made Rod, I just broke the mold because there's nobody that's going to be nearly as handsome or as intelligent or as talented as Rod is. That would be silly. And yet, I know the favor of God on my life. So it's a mystery why God does this. It's about his good pleasure and his kingdom purposes. It's an extension of God's grace, a grace that goes to everybody, and a grace that invites everybody to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And God's grace is God's undeserved kindness on, poured out on our lives, God's benevolence, God's general favor. So both grace and favor are undeserved and are freely given by God. And at times they're quite mysterious. Now I say that so that because there's always a danger when you're talking about the favor of God that you become proud and arrogant. And that's foolish because pride will automatically take you out of God's favor because God opposes the proud, the Bible says. So we have to understand that, and that's why I rem remember that. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Paul, in this passage that we read, uh, taken from Isaiah 49, he declared that now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And I believe God is saying that to us as a church. Now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. And that's something I think that will begin in earnest in the next couple of months. But I think it's a season that is upon us right now. So it's imperative for us to understand this and embrace it and start living on the basis of it. Now Paul was quoting, as I said, Isaiah 49. And notice how I, in Isaiah 49, God's favor upon his people had several purposes there. And it's listed in the text to establish the land and reestablish desolate heritages. You know, when we go to Chelsea Community Church, 
what we're seeking to do is to reestablish the desolate heritage of a worshiping community in that location. That's part of God's favor on us. And we not only want to do that in Chelsea, my desire is we do that in a in hundred churches or more across London. But that would all be by God's grace. God's favor is upon his people to see release of the prisoners, people who are bound up in sin and demonization, to, to give light to people who are walking in darkness, to, to feed people along their journey, along their ways. And I think that there is a, a, not only a literal meaning here, but also a metaphorical meaning to this. To clear away the obstacles and make a highway to the Lord and to see people come together from across the globe, which we're already doing. And these are all things that are identified there in Isaiah 49 as an outgrowth of God's favor upon God's people. And these are all things that we need to be praying for, longing for, looking for, preparing for, and seeking in the weeks, months, and dare I say, years ahead, because I think this, the season that we're living going to enter is at least a seven-year season, but I think it could go much longer than that. And so we have to be ready for that. So we must be sure that we heed the words of Paul and not receive the grace of God in vain. We need to work together with God for his kingdom, and we need to live boldly knowing that now is the time of God's favor. But how do we do that? Well, first, we need to discern God's favor around us. We need to discern where God's favor is operating because it's not only operating on us and in us, it's operating in other churches and other people in other situations all around us. And so we need to be looking for it and discerning it. How do we do that? I have some questions, some key questions to ask. The first question, on whom do you see God's favor resting? Looking at people, who are the people that seem to have God's favor? Now, how can you tell? They are people who have a sense of well-being, peace, and resilience. They have stamina. They keep going despite the obstacles. Now, remember, having the favor of God doesn't mean you won't have trouble. In fact, sometimes... If you have the favor of God on you, it will magnify trouble in your life. Isn't that good news? You know, people don't normally say hallelujah to that. But, uh, but it is true. And you have to accept that and understand it. So if someone has well-being, peace, and resilience, you're seeing the favor of God possibly operating on them. What activities are you involved in? that seem to have God's favor, or that other people are doing. And that can be discerned by the level of fruitfulness that's there, the level of flow, you know, getting in the flow, and you just kind of forget yourself uh, in the sense of joy that people are receiving. Another question, what organizations seem to have God's favor? Not every church has the favor of God on it. Not every charity has the favor of God on it. And so we need to be looking for those that do. How do we know? They will have unity. 
That's a big thing. Unity. They will have genuine brotherly love and they will have kingdom-mindedness or they'll be altruistic. There's a genuine desire to help. Now, not every group, for example, not every charity necessarily has a genuine desire to help. You know, there are some charities that take 20 to 50% of your donation and use it to maintain the charity, only the rest going to the stated purpose. So you got to look at those kinds of things and see what's going on. What relationships seem to have God's favor? Where, where do you see relationships? And not, not only your relationships, I'll talk about that in a, in a moment, but when you see relationships with other people, like if you're looking at Karen and me, or Julia and Federico, do you see God's favor? I do. Julia and Federico, I definitely do. Uh, Olashin and Elsie, definitely do. I'm not excluding those, I'm not mentioning, by the way. You know, I see God's favor. How do you can tell? They'll have joy. There'll be a sense of one-heartedness. You know, they're like of one heart. Uh, there's a sense of hospitality. And there's a sense of continuity about them. Or where do you see, another question, where do you see God's protection on people and individuals? As uh, the psalmist says, Psalm 5, verse 12, For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as with a shield. The favor of God can function as a shield. So where do you see God's protection on people and organizations? That's usually determined by their resilience and by how God preserves them through the fire of difficulty. You can see all that. So we need to discern and be actively discerning the favor of God around us. The second thing, you need to discover God's favor in your life. A lot of times, we don't pay attention to it. I know that's true of myself. I've been conscious of God's favor, but there's so many times when I have not paid attention to how it was operating, and I want to stop that and start opening my eyes, and so we all need to do that. And there are certain areas where you can see God's promised favor. You can see God's favor on your finances when God's favor is resting on your life. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be wealthy. doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. In fact, there are a lot of millionaires and billionaires that do not have the favor of God on their lives. And the money they have is just a waste. It's an utter waste. It will bring them nothing but trouble. You know, so it's not about the money, it's about how things, how your resources endure. It's like Elijah with the widow at Zarephath. If you remember the story, he, went, he had to flee outside of Israel. He went to be with the widow. He said, hey, fix me something to eat. And she said, well, that's great. I've got a little bit of flour. And I've got a little bit of oil. And uh, I'm going to fix a cake for me and my son. We're going to die. And so you can have some of it and die with us. You know, it's pretty desperate. It's pretty desperate. And, uh, and Elijah said, no, you go and you fix that. And I tell you this, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and she did so. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent 
neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. That's 1 Kings 17. That's the kind of thing. Didn't mean that they ate steak every night. It did mean that they ate and they had what they needed and they had enough. We've seen this at City Temple. Last summer, we were in the red every month. In the red, in the red, losing a lot of money. The ner- uh, uh, we elders, we were very, very nervous about that. And we thought, we've got to terminate this agreement with the developers. Uh, and the Lord said, no, don't do that. Hold on, they'll start paying you in February. Now, it's one thing to have God tell you that. It's another thing to see it in your finances. And, you know, as charity trustees, we're responsible to God, but also to the government to the Charity Commission. So how do you balance out those responsibilities? Ultimately, you're more responsible to God than the government. You know, I'll spend a lot longer with God than I will with Boris Johnson, thank God. So, uh, so you have to be, so how do we do that? And then you know what God did? Beginning with August, he kept our bank balances almost the same. Federico can testify to this. Because Federico, I mean, he's like, he used to have fingernails. And he was just kind of chewing on it. No, he wasn't. Uh, but, uh, but he was, you know, telling us how soon we were going to run out of money. And it was happening fast. And then all of a sudden it stopped happening. And for September, October, November, December, January, our bank balances at the end of the month stayed the same. Our giving has always been good. But there was hardly anything discernible for the change, but that's God's favor on our finances. He did what it took to get us through until his word came to pass. And in February, they began paying us, the developer began paying us, and now we don't need the bank balances to stay the same. In fact, we want them to go up and up and up. That's what we're praying for. And let's keep praying because it's more money for ministries and stuff. So you might not have much, but what you have endures. Another area is God's favor on your relationships. And you should look especially for relationships in your life that have favor. And not every relationship that you have will have favor on it. But maximize the ones that do and minimize the ones that don't. Now there will be relationships that bless you. And this is, these are relationships where it's kind of one way coming in your direction. And there'll be some relationships with favor where you are blessing others. And it feels like you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and you're giving uh, and that you're not getting anything back from them. Well, that's okay. You don't need anything back from them because you're getting favor from God. You see how that works. God gives you favor. You just keep giving. And then there are other relationships that uh, are are relationships of mutual blessing where you give and you receive and they give and receive and there's a mutuality to that and you can often tell that by fruitfulness and joy in that relationship. You can often tell by fruitfulness and joy and also in those relationships they will often be the kind of relationships where you always pick up where you left off. Now we have friends, we have friends in the US, we have friends here, we have friends in Lewis, where if we're, we're gone and we haven't seen our friends for two years in the States, 
I'm sure when we go back to some of these friends, it will be like we saw them last week. Because there's favor. There's favor. Look for God's favor on the ministry that you're doing and your engagement in church. There's another big area of God's favor. And that's part of your ministry to other people, how God has gifted you to serve others. That's part of how God has gifted you to serve as part of a team. Because God doesn't call lone rangers. He calls us to be part of a team. And if you want to see faith, uh, favor there, look for things that have fruitfulness and impact. You know, there are things that you're doing that have tremendous impact. Maybe even others don't see it, but there's favor on that activity. And of course, there's God's favor on your work. And you should be looking for God's favor in your workplace. God's favor will be shown up in those areas where you have fruitfulness and effectiveness. What are you doing well? How are you prospering at work? And by the way, if you're in school, it, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, it's also where you have grace in relationships and also where you're giving doors of opportunity. If you're at work, look for the doors that are opening before you and walk boldly through those doors by God's grace. And I could give lots of stories. I won't take that time because I didn't ask permission. But I could share a lot of personal stories in our church uh, where that's been the case. So you need to look for, you need to be uh, discovering God's favor on your life and start looking for it uh, very carefully. And as you see God's favor, you need to honor God's favor. It's very important. And honoring God's favor means, in large part, not making the stupid mistakes a lot of people make when it comes to God's favor. And this was true of both people uh, now and people in the Bible. Do not squander God's favor. A lot of people squander God's favor. They squander it by getting all wrapped up in busyness and all wrapped up with distractions, allowing other worthless things to distract them. You got to beware as well of self-centeredness and selfishness because that always negates God's favor, just wastes God's favor on your life. And be sure that you're not sharing God's favor indiscriminately, thinking that all oh, you can just give favor to everybody. You can't. We're all limited human beings. And as Jesus said, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You know, there's, I, I, I won't meet with just anybody. I have spiritual sons and daughters. I don't just take anybody as a spiritual son or daughter. You got to be discriminating. Now, that doesn't mean that I, you know, that I won't love everybody, that I won't honor everybody, that I won't minister to everybody. I will do that. But I'm careful. I'm careful in other ways. And I need to see the hunger in things. Uh, I'd embarrass Ben. I won't embarrass Ben. But I'd embarrass Ben to say that I just see the hunger of God in his life and what God is going to do in the favor of God on him. But uh, don't tell him I said that because it might be embarrassing. 
Uh, so, and also remember that you're getting God's favor so you can be a blessing to other people. It's not for you, although it will bless you, it's for others to share it. Also, don't neglect God's favor or ignore it or take it for granted. Beware of the, t- the tyranny of the urgent. Most of the things that seem urgent are not urgent. And yet, our lives can be dominated by that. You know, just because a little red number comes up on your messages on your phone doesn't mean that you need to interrupt your conversation and answer the message. Just because your phone rings when you're talking to somebody doesn't mean that you should pick it up. In fact, it's better to just mute the thing before you start engaging because I guarantee you there's probably no phone call that you're going to receive that's more important than the person that's right in front of you. And so we have to be careful. Be careful of consumerism and the quest for pleasure. I mean, that always destroys God's favor. Live boldly and joyfully. Take risks, knowing that God's favor on your, is on your life. But also, don't presume on God's favor. You still need to avoid sin. You can't say, oh, well, God's favor is on me, so it doesn't matter how much I sleep around doesn't work that way. You also need to be intentional and take action. Don't be lazy in the Lord. You need to do something. You need to make choices. You can't just sit back and expect that things are going to happen to you. And you also must continue practicing spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading the Word, gathering together with Christians. So it's important that you honor the favor of God that is on your life And finally, it's important that you respond to God's favor. You cannot be passive when it comes to the favor of God. You have to take action. Now, you can take action by, ironically, resting in God's favor. What does that mean? It means don't strive for what God's already given you. If God's given you a ministry, if he's given you a calling... You don't have to strive after that. Rest in God's gift. You don't have to strive to get more favor. A lot of people live like they, oh, I need to do this and do this and do this because I'll get more favor from God. When the favor of God's resting on you, you don't have to do that. Also, don't strive for what God doesn't give you. It's always a temptation. There's so many options around us And we can say, well, I would really like that. I would really like that. And we can strive after things that have never been in the intention or purposes of God for you. Rest in God's favor. Repent in God's favor. Yes, take sin seriously, but you repent quickly when you do sin, and you repent in faith, not in fear. God's not wanting to strike you dead. Jesus died, so we don't have to. Jesus died for us. We need to refocus on God's favor as we respond to it. Actively seek where the favor of God is. Actively seek those organizations, those relationships where you're seeing the favor of God. Actively seek the favor of God in your life where it's manifesting. Go after that and then emphasize that while at the same time keeping your eyes on Jesus. And you need to keep training yourself and retraining yourself in God's favor.
We practice our discipleship in view of God's favor, not in view of our sin, and not in view of the world's messiness, and not in view of Satan's power. I know a lot of Christians, they live like they're in fear of the devil. Stop it. I know a lot of Christians that live like, oh, if I brush up against somebody who's not a Christian, who's in sin, it's going to pollute me and contaminate me. Stop it. That's not true. I know a lot of Christians that are so afraid of everything that's happening in the world, and there's a lot of stuff going on right now, that, that they want to hide. They want to sit back. They want to do nothing. They want to uh, just run to a cave somewhere. Don't do that. We need to live and be disciples, followers of Jesus, in view of the fact that God's favor is on us. I remember one time, uh, this is back in Cincinnati, quite a number of years ago, uh, more than 25 years ago, I know. Maybe even longer. Uh, no, it was longer, maybe 30 years ago now. Golly, a long time ago. And we were there for a conference, and it was Karen and me and an elder and his wife from our church, and we were leading worship at a conference, and uh, we were uh, out and about, and we found a guy who was begging on the street, and the guy said, I need to get some money for this hostel. And uh, we said, well, we're not going to give you money, but I'll take you to the hostel, and we'll pay uh, for, your, for your stay in this hostel. And uh, so we drove up to this hostel, and uh, Marty and Harry, they're sitting out in the car with Karen, and I'm there at the door, and this guy that we're taking to the door to pay for starts getting a, in a bit of an argument with the guy who's leading the hostel because he's caused some problems, apparently, in the past, and everything is getting quite heated, and it was in, in a not nice area of Cincinnati, and so uh, uh, the, the people in the car were thinking, Rod, get out of there. You know, run, man, run. It, this is not a safe context. It's not a safe place to be. But uh, I just stood there and kept working and negotiating. I think we got him in eventually, didn't we? And it all worked out okay. And afterwards they said, you were crazy, man. Why would you do something like that? And I just, I don't know. I, and it was just a favor of God on my life. I mean, crazy things happen, and you can live for Jesus, not recklessly, but boldly. You can live for Jesus when the favor of God is on you. So discipline yourself as well, and this is key, to see the story, the story of your life, and the story of the world from God's perspective and not from your human perspective. Right now, COVID has tried to change our conversation. Right now, Ukraine is trying to change our conversation. Right now, Myanmar is trying to change our conversation. Right now, inflation is trying to change our conversation. Right now, the media is trying to change our conversation. Right now, there are forces all around us that are trying to take, change our conversation, trying to change our story, trying to change our narrative, so we start focusing on what's happening around us instead of focusing on God who sits on the throne on high and his son Jesus Christ who was crucified, who was resurrected, who ascended into heaven, who sits there praying for us continually so that we might live for him boldly in this world. 
Our story is not the story of COVID. Our story is not the story of Ukraine or Russia. Our story is not the story of the United States, thank God. Our story is not the story of, of uh, Myanmar, of any of these powers of autocratic leaders. Our story is the story of a Jesus Christ who came, who lived for us, who died for us, and who enabled us to live through faith by him and advance his kingdom of love and mercy into this world. And that's the story of City Temple. And that's the story of my life. And if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, it's a story of your life. And you gotta discipline yourself by the favor of God to see this favor and how it operates, even in, and especially in, the messy, messy times that we're living in. We are in times of terrible turmoil. And it's challenging everything. Everything to do with where we focus, everything to do with how we live, how we pay attention. Fear and panic right now are competing to change your story. They're competing right now to change your very perceptions of how you see the world. Don't let them. The favor of God is on us as a church. I know the favor of God is on my life, and I hope that many of you know that the favor of God is on your life. And the favor of God directs our attention to the wonders of God in Jesus Christ. And we are entering a season where we're going to live out of that favor, where the world around us needs us to live out of that favor, to see that favor, to long for the favor, to desire it and to experience it so that they can experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. We live out of that favor, confident that even in the most difficult times, God will shine forth in and through our lives. And I believe that that is God's promise to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, by His Holy Spirit, this day. Now is the time for God's favor. Let us pray. Lord God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we thank you for your favor. We thank you for how you've lavished your favor on our lives through your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that your favor upon us, individually and corporately, will determine our story into the future, not anything else that's happening in this world around us. Give us faith and open our eyes to see your favor everywhere it manifests. Open our eyes right now, especially in the week ahead. Open our eyes to see your favor. We love you and we praise you. And we thank you for all these things. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.